The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Pastor Mayowa Ijisheson, popularly called Pastor May, is the Executive Vice President of Kingsword Ministries International. She co-oversees the entire operation of the ministry in America, Europe and Africa, alongside her husband, Dr. Kayode Ijisheson. She is a business intelligence expert. She holds a master's degree in electrical engineering from the Cornell University, USA. She is the visionary of the Kingsword Women's Fellowship and the convener of the annual Kingsword Women's Conference that holds every year in three continents, Europe, Africa, and America. She is blessed with two children. Welcome to Kingsword Women's Conference 2019, Pastor Mayowa Ijisheson. Um, I'm going to bring up Pastor May now, the convener of the Kingsword International Women's Conferences, our first lady in Kingsword everywhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. Who is excited to be here? Amen. Who is, um, yeah, excited in the natural, but beyond that, who is excited inside? You know, like, you just feel like there's something going to happen to you and for you in this meeting this morning. Can I just, by indication of hand? Hallelujah. Who feels special this morning? Who feels so special that God will, you know, um, take, do whatever it takes to get to her this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm convinced that we all have unique destinies in God. And every one of us is special before God in our, in our unique callings. And through this meeting today, some of what needs to be provoked in us, or everything, not some, everything that needs to be provoked in us so that we might fulfill those things that we were created to fulfill will be provoked in the name of Jesus. I'm convinced, I'm confident that we will not live here the same way we came. I'm even confident that maybe you, even if you didn't come here as expectant as you should be, that God will look beyond that and surprise you mightily. Amen. Let's go ahead and bow down our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you because you're a good God. We thank you because you love us. We are your children. We are your daughters in this place. And you have called us to come and drink this weekend to drink of your word, to drink of your spirit, that we may be changed and transformed by what you will do in our lives and in our hearts, in our ministries, in our callings, in our vocations. And Lord, we are just expectant of your move this morning. We thank you because you'll do that which is beyond what we could have expected. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Will you welcome a sister beside you on my behalf this afternoon or this morning? Say you're welcome. I welcome you. It's so good to see you. Hallelujah. You are looking gorgeous. Amen. You're looking good in your pink or purple t-shirt. And if you don't have your purple t-shirt on, you still look good, baby. Amen. <laughs> well, we've been talking on the subject, we've been speaking on the subject of courage um, or being courageous for the last, uh, well, the leaders, female leaders had, uh, we started our own conference on Thursday. Amen. Okay, so we have been listening to this um, um, you know, just exploring this message, this topic 
of being courageous, of courage, of bravery, of doing it in spite of the fear and the risks and the things that the devil will try to do to stop you and not allowing your past and your mistakes or man, you know, and when I talk about man, I'm talking about the male kind and the female kind, not allowing anyone to stop you because you choose to be courageous. We've been talking about this for a few days and will continue to do so. Actually, for me, it's more than a few days. We started this conference in London two weeks ago, uh, May the 3rd through the 5th. We had the first leg of this conference in London and uh, we had a wonderful time. One of the things that I've been so excited about this year particularly is the fact that the meetings have been marked by strong presence of the Holy Ghost. I mean, the London meeting, there was such a residue after that meeting that, you know, even afterwards, after the meeting had been closed, you could still feel God in the atmosphere. And then, you know, we came here to Lagos and we had a meeting like yesterday. Oh my goodness. I'm like, yeah, this is what I want. You know, not just, an, not just the teaching of the word, which is great. Thank God for what the word does in our lives. And thank God for what the spirit comes to do to confirm the word and just sit on the word and just massage the word into our, our lives. So I feel so blessed and I feel we're so blessed in this series of meetings because of what we've seen God do already and what we believe that he's going to continue to do. So I trust God that today will not be any less. Well, it will even go to a new level, a greater level in God. You see, we have unique destinies, like I said before. We have great callings upon our lives. We have reasons why God has made us, called us for, at such a time as this. You know, you have a purpose in God. You have a unique destiny in him. There's a reason why he made you. There's a reason why he created you. There's a reason why he put you in the environment he put you. There's a reason why he gave you the parents he gave you. There's a reason why you grew up the way you did. Amen? That's a reason. God knows about it. Amen? You are not um, here by happenstance. You are not here by chance. God isn't playing a game with your life. Amen. Sometimes when things happen, you know, sometimes you may feel like a pawn in this big game that you have no control over. But God isn't playing a game with your life. He has a destination for you. And to get to that destination, you need to be courageous. You can't just be drifting around, just letting life drift you, you know, just push you any which way. And then wherever you land is wherever you land. Like, okay, I'm here. And when the next thing carries me, I will go with it. Amen? Be for good or for bad. No. We need to be courageous about certain things. There are some things will not, that will not happen if we are not courageous about them. There are some things we will not experience if we are not courageous. There are some grounds we will not gain if we don't step out in courage. You know, there are some boxes the enemy will have us die in if we don't on purpose expand our territories. You know, sometimes we're waiting for God to do something, waiting for God to break us out, waiting for God to send that one person that will pull us out. And there are just some times, like that bird, that little bird that's, that's coming out of the shell, you know, the, 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 it, the process doesn't just happen by itself. You know, for some reason, that little bird knows it's time, and then it begins to peck, begins to peck that that's against that shell, on that shell, until he breaks himself out. In fact, even in natural birth, when it's time for that baby to come out, the baby is working and the mother is working. It's not just the mom that is working. The baby is working, the mother is working. Now, when the baby stops working or something, that's when we now go in. Thank, thank God for the ability to go in and perform a rescue operation in our days. But in the past, when there was no C-section, a baby that wouldn't, that maybe for one reason or the other, maybe didn't have enough oxygen, maybe the process had gone on too long, or maybe the baby just, hey, I'm not going to do nothing. You know, in the past, such a baby would die. Amen. 
will die. So even in natural birth, a baby is working to break into the next level. So next level requires next level courage. In fact, to achieve anything in God, to attain to anything in God, we need courage. Because God, when he calls us, doesn't call us to small things. Somebody reminded me a, couple, a few years ago, I was in London to um, run the women's conference that year. And she was telling me about a message I had preached years ago titled, The Anointing is for Doing Big Things. Um, she had just completed her PhD program, and she was telling me that at times when she wanted to give up, she would go and listen to this message. And she was saying how much that message had, had, had blessed her, and she was preaching my message to me. So I told her, I said, I preached that. She said, yes. I said, I preached it. I said, where is it? Where can I go find it? I need it too. <laughs> Amen. Because I realized that I wasn't thinking big things anymore. And there are times when we find ourselves at a place where we're just like, okay, let me just manage this space. At least I'm still alive, amen? And I'm feeding and there's roof over my head. And God is telling us to go higher. He's calling us to bigger things. I said, please let me, tell me, where did you find it? She said, oh, I had it on one city or something. So I went online. I'm still looking for that message. Amen. Because I want to learn how the anointing is for big things. And to go do bigger things. Amen? But through the series of meetings, God is going to stir us up for bigger things. He's going to stir up our appetites for more. To take more territories for him. To take more territories in our lives. To go beyond the boundaries that life has just kind of mapped out for us. To go beyond outside of that box that the enemy has tried to put us in. To go beyond man's expectations. You know, human expectations can put us in a box. Sometimes we won't dare new things because we feel like, okay, you know, this is where they expect me to be, so I'll stay here. So I trust God to break us out of um, any box, any barrier, you know, to do some jailbreaking in this place. So that, you know, in about a year's time, when we come back, you can look at your life and be like, I am so different. Amen. And he's going to do it by his word, and he will do it by spirit in the name of Jesus. Some of the reasons why we lose courage. You know, the Bible says God told Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter 1. He told him in verse 6, told him in verse 7, told him in verse 9. He said, Joshua, be courageous. Be courageous. Do not fear. Be courageous. And the Lord kept repeating it to him. And in verse 9, he tells him why he should be courageous. He said, I am with you. If I'm with you, who else do you need? In fact, if I'm with you, it means that if you need anybody else, I will draw the person. God is full of resources. He has resources in people. He has resources in money. He has resources in atmospheric conditions working out for you. He has resources of favor. He has resources of strength. He has resources of life. Amen. The fact that you have life for another day, that's a resource that God has given you. And we ought to make the most of it. He has given me the ability to breathe today. And I must not breathe in vain. Amen? <laughs> I must breathe and accomplish certain things for his kingdom. Um, we see different reasons why we should not be afraid in the world. The chief one being the fact that God is with us. There are other reasons that we can know we can know with a confidence that, no, I should not be afraid, I should be courageous. But I want to talk about some of the reasons why we lose courage, why we are sometimes fearful, and why we don't rise up to the occasion when it presents itself. I like what uh, Mrs. Debbie Ho said earlier about the fact that when you are courageous, you don't even know, you don't even know you are being courageous until you look back at a certain season in your life and you were like, oh, I just did what I knew I was supposed to do. Sometimes courage is as subtle as that, doing what you are supposed to do in spite of. I just know I ought to do this. You know, Mary, when the angel appeared to her and said, Mary, you will have a son, you will have a child, you will be of the Holy Ghost. You know, in spite of the stigma that was going to bring to this young girl, in spite of the fact that it was going to risk the, the marriage she was going to go into with Joseph, 
just in a subtle way. A display of courage was so subtle you could miss it. A display of courage was just a few words. In a few words, be it unto me according to your word. You know, she didn't scream, she didn't shout, she didn't get on the rooftop, she didn't preach a fiery message, amen? She didn't go running up and down the streets, I'm courageous. She just said, in spite of the risk it was going to put her in, you know, the cultural risk, the risk of being talked about, the risk of being, uh, of being gossiped about, the risk of, of, being, of being put away, of being put away secretly, even as Joseph was planning to do, before the Lord arrested him, even at that risk, with that risk looming in front of her, she said, be it unto me according to your word. So sometimes, I'm sure she wasn't thinking, I'm being courageous right now. <laughs> Just watch me be courageous, amen? Chances are, if that's how you are, you are probably not being courageous, amen? You are just doing, putting up a show, amen? You display courage and you don't even know it. I've been gone through certain seasons in my life that I look back now and I'm like, wow, that was quite courageous, even though I didn't know it. I'll tell you, some of us know my mom passed away in August, in October of last year. Two years ago, she was going through certain treatment. I just taken her for treatment on Monday. I flew out of um, Chicago on Tuesday to go and run the women's conferences in, in London. And then because, of, because she had a surgery two weeks later, I packed the conferences back to back. So from um, Europe, I came to Lagos, preached, did women's conference, did my duty so that I didn't come here and cry because you needed to be blessed. Amen? What God needed to do in your life that year, needed to do. I couldn't indulge in my feelings. And I came back on Wednesday, Thursday, I was at the hospital with her throughout her surgery, waiting for her to come out. She came out of surgery. I was with her in the hospital room, slept at the hospital Thursday night, slept at the hospital Friday night into Saturday, went back home on Saturday just to get ready for church on Sunday. You know, now when I look back at that year, and then the following year, something very similar happened again because she came out of it and then she relapsed. So two years back to back, now I look back, I'm like, oh my God. You know what, now I'm coming for this conference and it's easy, I'm like, now I realize how difficult it was then to do, to continue to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to continue to answer you. I'm not going to say, women's conference canceled this year. You know, because Pastor May is going through some things. Amen, can you imagine? Women's conference canceled the year, Pastor May is going through some things. <laughs> Because one of the things God asked me is, will you take care of this woman and we continue to fulfill the work of the ministry? And just saying yes to that. Now I look back and say, okay, that was an act of courage. But when I was going through, I wasn't thinking I'm being courageous right now. I'm being courageous. I'm just like, Lord, see me through the next day. See me through the next day. Uh, amen? Glory be to God. Of course, at the end of the day, my desire wasn't for her to go. But I do know she's in a better place. Amen? But so I said that to say this, that when we are displaying courage, it's not, we don't necessarily know it. We just know we have said yes to God. And in saying yes to God, His grace comes upon us. And we operate on that grace. And something carries us. And then we see miracles. We see God working on our behalf. And then sometimes when we go through that season, we look back and say, oh, okay. I said yes to him, and then he started to carry me. Because at the end of the day, courage, you know, is just our yes to God. Everything else God takes care of. Amen? God takes care of everything else. God takes care of the miracles that need to happen. Takes care of the favor that needs to happen. He takes care of the things that need to be done. Amen? You start to see his power being displayed, and he's just waiting for you to say yes. But sometimes we want to see everything before we say yes. Lord, how exactly are you going to do this? How exactly are you going to do this? You know, we are waiting. We are waiting for it to look safe before we step into it. Um, Kristen Kane said something. She said that it's as if sometimes it's as if we, we are living to die. We are trying to, um, to, to die safely. Amen? That at the end of the day, everybody, you get to the end of the road, you will still die. But it's like we're all trying to arrive to the point of that death, safe. 
Like, let me die safely. Amen? We don't want to risk too much. But courage embraces risk. So some of the reasons why we, are not, we lose courage. We lose courage because we feel like we're alone. You know, um, the Bible says in the book of First Kings chapter 18, and then says again, book, and then goes into a deeper narration in First Kings chapter 19. In First 18, it says that Elijah said, I alone, you know, it was that, that was just before he showed the, um, the priest of Baal, you know, and he demonstrated the power of God in front of them. He said, I alone, I stand on the side of God. So we're kind of starting to say something here, that Elijah was feeling alone. He was feeling like he was in this place alone by himself. And then the following chapter, the same man that demonstrated God's power so strongly, so, so, so displayed God's power in such a significant way, began to run because of a woman that said something. And eventually he ran into a cave, and then the Lord was saying, okay, what, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then Elijah says, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. You know, before God now corrected him and said, look, you are not the only one. There are people I have in place. So the same man that seemed to display courage in one chapter, the following chapter, is, is fleeing. He's displaying the opposite of courage. He's being timid. He's being fearful. And I dare say that feeling of being alone, like sometimes you are standing and you feel like you've stood alone by yourself for too long. And that affects courage. When we feel like I'm the only one, I'm the only one in this situation. Nobody else is going through it but me. I'm the only one faced with this set of challenges. Nobody else understands what I'm going through. Oh God, I am so alone. I'm so lonely. You know, we lose courage because of that. We don't face life situations because we feel alone. But the Bible lets us know, and, I sh- and we talked about this yesterday, that you are not alone. Fear not because you are not alone. God is with you. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter 23, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Being courageous sometimes can seem like you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It can seem like you are walking through a dark place. It can seem like you are going through a tunnel and you don't see the light at the end of it. It can seem like life is just going to go on and on and on like this. It can seem like, okay, there's no reason for you to get up from your bed today. It can seem like you are going to be left in this situation. But the Bible says that I will fear no evil even when I'm in that place. Because you are with me. Kenneth Copeland said something. He said that I am not afraid of the valley of the shadow of death because my God who is with me is the biggest thing in that valley. So valleys can be figurative. The valley of the very figurative valley of the shadow of death, very figurative. You know, it can pose itself to be different things in your life. It can be people, it can be situations, it can be the next level you are trying to get into. It can be ministerial aspirations that God has put on your heart. It can be things that God wants you to accomplish for him. It can be a new place, a new land that God wants you to take for him, a new territory. And oftentimes when those things present themselves, they present themselves in a way that can stay up fair. But it says that I will not fear because I know I'm not alone. The next time you are looking at a situation, you are looking at a circumstance, you are looking at a project ahead of you, you are looking at certain risks that you should take, but all common sense is telling you you don't take it, it's too risky. But you search your heart and you know that God will have you go for it. Next time you are presented with such a situation, realize that the Lord is with you. Amen. It's with you to help you. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, it says, therefore I will boldly say the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man shall do to me. Some of us are afraid of men. You are afraid of approaching your boss and demanding certain things. There are some things that are due you. There are some things you are entitled to. God doesn't want you to rot in that position you are in. Amen. You know you have outgrown that space. You know you feel it. You feel the frustrations. Ha, let me tell you. Okay, I'll tell you a story. You know, um, when I was still 
in the marketplace, amen? I'm not directly in the marketplace anymore. I'm in the marketplace through people like Pastor, amen? I still kind of stick my head out there to find out, okay, what's going on? Tell me about your work. Tell me about your job. Because I don't want to be in a bubble where I'm not, I don't understand um, the language out there. Then I'm not able to minister effectively, right? So I'm not directly in the marketplace anymore. I am through people. You know, while I was in the marketplace, I started companies twice. I started the first time running for five years and then went into employment and then started again two, two years after. So the second time I was in uh, with one, I was a one client company because I used to, I had to go and sit, go into the office and stay there to get the work done. And as a result, you know, you can't work for two companies if you are having to go and commit yourself physically, signing, I'm here, you know, I'm here for 40 hours, I'm here for 48 or whatever. And then you can't be a multi, multi-client company that way. So one day I just said, and this was a very strict client. All their people had to sign in, sign out, sign in, sign. I said, look, I don't want to even go in again like that. I don't want to go in. Just in, something in me said, you don't have to go in. I don't want to go in. So that week I just walked from, I'm not saying do this. Amen. Let God tell you, please, please, don't do this and go get fired without sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. I just said I'll walk, I'll, I'll just do this job, you know, uh, from my home office this week. So I did, and I, and I um, sent in the invoice. I said, okay, they, they paid me. I'm like, ah, okay, it worked. So the next thing, time I went into the office, you know, so I did that one week or two weeks, went into the office. Someone had taken over my desk at the office. Like, no, you don't take it. So they cleared the desk, said you can come back. This happened a couple of times. And then finally, one day I just got to that place, that um, space, office space. And I took my daughter's picture and I stuck it on. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't a full-time employee. I was just a consultant. So I took my daughter's picture and I stuck it on. And I said, I take this territory in Jesus' name. Nobody can come here and take over this space. When I'm here... When I'm not here, I will always be on your mind as a presence in this place. So I stuck it on that skill. So from that day, I was there for one week. I wasn't there one week. wasn't there two weeks. Everyone will leave my space for me. Amen? Now, that sticking my daughter's picture on the world, it was a simple act. But at the same time, it was an act declaring authority and claiming territory. You know, there are some times even in the workplace where you are frustrated, you know, you've been in a position too long. Now you put in the work, please. You don't go and be lazy and be all that. You don't go and say, I'm not coming in, and then you go sleep and they don't see the work you did while you claimed to be working from home. And then you don't do what, exactly what somebody else did without being led by God. But, you know, sometimes we are so timid. We don't act like we are believers, we don't act like we have God on our side. We don't act like God actually cares. We don't act like God wants bigger territories for us. And in this series of meetings in the name of Jesus, I believe God to stir us up in such a way that we will know that, no, I'm just not an ordinary person because God is with me. So one of the reasons why we lose courage is because we feel like we're alone and God wants us to know that he is with us. Number two, we lose courage because we are marked by our past mistakes and failures. You know, we failed in the past. Hello, newsflash, everyone has failed. Amen? I know you might feel you are the only one. You are the only one who has made the mistakes you've made. I'll tell you, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've failed in a lot of areas. Someone says, Pastor, may tell us it's none of your business. I don't have to go into details. All you have to know is that you are not alone in your failures and your mistakes. We are not courageous because we feel like, okay, what about, what, what if I repeat the mistakes or the failures of the past? Now, the Bible says that the righteous, he may fall times down seven times, but the Lord raises him back up. That fall seven times can represent the failures or mistakes we may make in life. And seven is the number of perfection. Amen? Which to us means maturity. Until you mature in that area. Hey, if you fall, you get up. 
You fall, you get up. You fall, you say, okay, I guess I'm not quite mature yet, but I'm going to keep going for it. Amen? You don't say, I'm falling, okay, you know, um, let's give up now. No. Failure is a part of life. Amen? I was studying after, uh, and I still do off and on. After there's a, there's, a, there's a lady, a professor at Harvard University, and her name is Amy Edmondson. She studies organizations and teams, and our organizations work together. And she studies big organizations like Ford, Toyota, studies their history, why they made GM, um, Toyota, why they made it, why Toyota took over from GM, all the things that happened. And one of the things she says is that organizations need to fail, and they need to fail quickly and fail often. Amen? Why? Because the reason why they are failing is because they are trying risky things. They are trying new things. If they were doing the same old thing, they probably wouldn't fail. But at the same time, they lose relevance. So she said they need to fail. That you need to learn as an organization, you need to learn to fail. Like what? Learn to fail? We did not, we don't exist to fail. That's not why we came together as an organization. We want to win, win big, win all the time. All we hear are the success stories. We don't hear how many failures occurred before that one success came about. But if that person, that organization, that entity was not willing to keep failing until they got it right, you will not hear of them. Now we hear the success stories and we think that was it. They tried one time. Bang! They hit gold. And then you are wondering, why am I trying and trying over again? What is wrong with me? It's because they don't necessarily tell you everything. Amen? So, it's human nature to want to pull back because you're afraid of failing. But it's a courageous spirit that says, so what? If I fail, the Lord will pick me up. If at first I don't succeed, I try again. As long as I know it is God. So, the fear of failure will often cause us to draw back, will cause us to lose courage. But we mustn't because we are the righteous. We know that the Lord will give us the enough opportunities to get it right. So rise up again. Rise up again. Rise up again in the family. Rise up again in your relationship. Rise up again as a mother. Rise up again as a, as a, uh, as in, uh, in your career, in your, in your business. Rise up again in ministry. Maybe you've tried some things in ministry. didn't quite work out. And you decided, oh my God, people are too difficult, Lord. I don't want to walk with them again. You know? You need to rise up. Because you have not been called by people, you have been called by God. And the God who has called you is telling you that I've got you. I'm with you. And I understand. I'm going to, I know you are human. And I want you to lean on me more. So maybe you didn't lean on me enough the first time. Maybe you didn't know a few things then. You know more now. So go for it. What if I fail again? I'm still here, says God. Amen. After all, it didn't kill you. You know, after all, your last mistake did not kill you. And for some of us, that's a miracle in itself because that mistake was so big. Amen. (laughs) Tell your neighbor for me. Say, neighbor, you are here. Say, neighbor, your last mistake didn't kill you. Say, neighbor, go and make some more. <laughs> Amen. It's not a curse. Amen. It's something that liberates you. I say, what if? What if I fall flat on my face? I'll dust myself, put on some makeup and some lipstick. Thank God we don't look like what we've been through. (laughs) Shake myself off. Wear my heels and my jeans and purple t-shirt. And I'll show up again. What the devil hopes is that you stop showing up. Nah, I'm going to show up again. I will not give up because I could fail. No. The righteous might fall seven times, but the Lord picks him up again. Sometimes we lose courage because of the judgment and criticisms of others. You know, we stay in the box that people have put us in. And we feel like, okay, if I step out of this box, what will they say? 
this is what is expected of me. This is what, uh, how I'm seeing. And taking certain risks outside of that, um, you know, you could begin to say, what will people say? People will criticize me. People will talk about me. People will say, you know, what does she think she is? Who does she think she is? And from small things to big things, in fact, even to make change in our lives sometimes, change that we know we ought to make, we think about, like, people, uh, uh, what will people think, you know? Um, I remember I was listening to a message. I was listening to the radio on the way home from church one day, and the preacher was talking about some things that you should do. He was talking about the family and the home. I was talking about the things as parents to do, changes to make, things you should do in your life. And then he said something. He said, if you realize you need to make this change, don't let the devil stop you from making the change because of what people might say. Amen? Like people might say, oh, okay, you know, uh, uh, why are you different all of a sudden? You know, who do you think you are? Now, sometimes the judgments and criticisms of people can affect us and cause us to lose courage. Sometimes, in fact, the fear of failure is because of what people will say, not so much as why, what you will feel, you know, but what people will say, how people will judge the situation. And then as believers, as Christian women and sisters, we ought to train ourselves not to judge people so harshly, not to judge people so readily, you know, make it easier for people to do what God has called them to do and not be so critical. And even when people fail and fall on their faces, not be so quick to judge. Amen. We ought to have one another's backs. We ought to. We are members of the same body. We are sisters in Christ. Because women can be the most critical, we know. Amen? Women will even band with men to judge other women. Amen? Let's try not to do that. Let's submit that area of our lives to Jesus and let him help us. So if you know you're a very critical person, maybe the courage you need to pick up right now is the courage to know you can change. Amen? Maybe you've been critical all your life. You need to be courageous enough to say, I can become a not-so-critical person. You know, somebody said something that stuck with me. She said, I don't like that woman. I need to get to know her better. Amen? <laughs> You want to think about it for a minute? I don't like her. I need to get to know her better. Because the reason why I don't like her is probably because I don't know her enough. I'm judging her from a distance. If I get to know her better, I may be able to connect on certain levels. I'll see her humanity. I'll see that she's a real person. Somebody with faults just as I just as I have, and somebody with strengths too that will enrich my life. As a pastor, it's something that I've, I've you know, learned to imbibe. Like, if somebody's, have, I'm, I'm just not understanding them. Amen. <laughs> like, they're robbing me one kind. Like, what kind of a person is this? How can someone be so wild? Or how can someone be, be so fill in the blank? You know what it is that robs you the wrong way. Amen. I've learned to draw closer. After service, go say hello. You know, start with a casual conversation. Hello, how are you? I like your shoes. Even though maybe that shoe may not be your style. Maybe it's shouting too loudly for you or something. <laughs> but you find something. Amen? You make it subtle. You don't have to go all the way out. Okay, I'm talking to you because I don't like you and I know I'm supposed to walk in love. Blah, blah, blah. Let's use some wisdom. But it's a good principle that will help us to be less critical because when we are close to people, we find it less, more difficult to judge them. But if you're the kind of person that close or not close, you judge, you criticize anyway, repent and be converted. Amen. Yes, yeah, so it's very important that even we as women don't contribute to other women losing courage because we criticize them too much. 
There was a time a few, a couple of years back, I was in the company of some men, and they were talking about a certain woman. You know, she had been around uh, a, a pastor that had lost, she was around a pastor that had lost his wife. And, um, and during the period of transition, she was in a place where she could be helpful, right? She could be helpful, she could be help out with that transition, with the church work and what have you. But at the end of the day, the pastor ended up marrying somebody else, right? So they were making fun, they were kind of, you know, talking about this woman like, okay, ah, you know, I'm sure she really wanted to marry him, that, ah, he just, she just wasted her time, she just blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they were laughing. And then I caught myself, like, what if I was that woman? Yes, even if, what if, what if even as in the process of being helpful and she did fall in love with the pastor and she hoped that, you know, it would look our direction. What if, you know, well, a man might not understand, but as a fellow woman, I understood. And I kind of pulled back and sat there and refused to laugh. That I know I will not pull another woman down because it's, just cheap to laugh about her right now. And sometimes we have to just stand in a position, not necessarily, I didn't need to say anything, I didn't need to go, I mean, hey, there are guys laughing, let them laugh if they want to laugh, even though I, like, just that moment, I'm not going to laugh about this because this is another woman, a child of God, who was believing, maybe believing, still believing for a, for a husband, and there's nothing wrong about it. She just found herself in a position, and at the end of the day, the pastor went and married somebody else. She's probably, she was probably still hurt. If indeed she was in love with him, she was probably still hurting from it. So why should I add to that? So if we, if we find ourselves to be people that are, tend to criticize, you know, tend to just trivialize other people's feelings or see unfortunate circumstances, um, I want to... Just um, ask us to work on that and not be so critical. So sometimes we lose courage because of judgment and criticisms of others. I'm going to try and round up in the next few minutes. Finally, we lose courage because we feel inadequate. We feel like we are not up to the task. Lord, I can't do it. I don't have the right background. I don't have the education. I don't have the connection. I don't have the people. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I don't have what it takes. Um, I've, you know, as a result of mistakes I've made in the past, I therefore do not have what it takes to, to do this. And this takes us back to the first point that God is with us. The Bible says that all things work together for good. For those who are love God and are called according to his, uh, his purpose. You know, when we interpret that mental, we talk about the fact that situations work together for good, circumstances work together for good. But also, I've come to understand that scripture to mean that the resources of God also work together for our good. And what resources does God have? Oh, you name it, he's got it. Amen. You name it, he's got it. So, when we know that this is where the territory we're supposed to push forward into, what we're supposed to do in whatever sphere or area of life, we can be confident in the fact that, well, I won't, I'm not the first person that God will call to do what she feels inadequate to do. I'm not the first person that God will call in spite of are inadequacies in spite of what she lacks because that's when he gets the glory. Amen? When I can look back and say, oh, at the beginning of this journey, I knew where I was. I knew I didn't have it. I knew I couldn't, uh, you know, have done it in myself of myself. I knew that, you know, in and of myself, I would fail. But now I've come thus far, not by my strength, not by my own ability, but because the Lord has helped me. Amen. So, even though we may, you know, fear might 
come, you know, intimidation might come because of what we feel that we lack. We can trust God to fill in the gaps. Amen? We can trust God to fill in the gaps. In fact, we shouldn't, when we're in positions where we feel like we have everything it takes to get the job done, we should feel uncomfortable because maybe we're not reaching high enough. Teresa Well says something. I'm not sure if I'm quoting her right or, you know, but something like, if you can fulfill, she uses the word dreams, but I'll use the word purpose. If you can fulfill your purpose, what you feel your purpose is, and the plans and everything by yourself, then you are not looking high enough. You are not embracing enough of what God wants for you. If you can be comfortable all the time and feel like everything I'm supposed to do is within my skill set, it doesn't require me to learn anything new, it doesn't require me to meet new people, it doesn't require me to do something that makes me feel uncomfortable, it doesn't require me to pray, hello? If you, are con- if you can continue get up every morning without prayer, without asking God for help, and you can feel confident about the day, there's something wrong. You are not living a big enough life. You are not reaching for big enough stuff. Amen? You ought to have some things in your life that quote and unquote scare you. You ought to have your eyes sight set on things that scare you, that scare you to your knees, scare you to the place of prayer. And I use the word scare, quote and unquote. But things that shake you in such a way that when you look at yourself, you're like, no, 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 I don't have it in me. In that sense, in my natural sense, i got to go to God for this. So it's normal that your walk with God will continually put you in positions where you feel inadequate. That's no reason to, that's no reason to lose courage. In fact, it's reason to embrace courage. And say, in spite of how inadequate I feel, the Lord is with me to strengthen me, to guide me, to uphold me, to enable me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. When the Lord told Moses to send 12 spies to spy out the land and to check to see what kind of land it was, to see the kind of people that lived there, 10 came back looking at their abilities and judging the situation based on their abilities. They said, we are not able. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. Those people are big, man. They are giants. Were they lying? No, they weren't. They were saying what they saw. But there were two of them that looked beyond their own natural ability and said, we are well able. Were they drunk? Were they high on drugs? No, they weren't. They were high on God. Hallelujah. They said, we are well able. The Lord has given us the land. We are well able. He will do whatever it takes. He will do whatever needs to be done. He will supply strength that's beyond ours. He will supply resources that's beyond ours. And at the end of the day, we will put in our hands what he has promised. Amen? So inadequacies, well, they are part of it. Failures, past failures, oh, well, what's new? Amen. People criticizing you, well, they only talk about people who are on their way to greatness. When last did you think of that one person in your life who never really achieved anything? In fact, it's when you run into them, ah, this person exists, he's still alive, amen. Glory be to Jesus. You don't want to be somebody that they run into and then they remember you are alive only when they see you know. You want people to know, people that need to know that you are alive. You heard what Dr. Victoria said yesterday, that Instagram and Facebook. I'm still here. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hi, you thought I was God. I'm still here. It takes courage to live that kind of life. And God is calling us to courage, to be courageous at this time. And I thank him for it because it means that he has great things for us in the season that we're entering into. Let's go ahead and rise up to our feet, everybody. And let's just just talk to God. Just talk to God. Amen. Go ahead and pray in the spirit. 
or pray in your understanding if there are certain definite things that God laid on your heart such as you heard the word this morning. After you are done speaking in English, go ahead and pray in the spirit. Stir up some things in the atmosphere. Stir up some things in the atmosphere. Ora ma jempre ko sokle ke yeketara ba zeple dishte rebo zokle ke yeketa ende rebo bo jipra dushtara ba zeple dishte enke rebo zokle ke yeketara ba 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 jipra ko sokte ende rebo zokle dishte rebo zokle ke yekete andre dushta va matra ko sokte ke rebo jote enke dushte rebo bo 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 zokle ke yeketara ba 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 zeple dishte enke amande rebo zokle dishte rebo zokte ke de ke de ke de leke Pray for yourself this afternoon or this morning. Oh, stir up that courage in you. Oh, stir up that courage, that spirit of courage. He has not given you the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Oh, Rabbi Zektaka, for greater is the one who is in you than he who is in the world. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-00640.